new 2016 would be volatile, but only a few weeks in and already we have entered a bear market. Commodities are flailing and stock markets across the globe are teetering. The big question is whether or not we're heading for a protracted downturn or if it's just a blip. Mike Ingram, market commentator at BGC Partners, joins me to discuss. So, Mike, a bear market for the FTSE. Lots of people are blaming China, they're blaming low oil prices. What do you make of this? It's not a blip, certainly, because if you actually look at the performance of global equity markets, for instance, um, they actually plateaued in sort of May April, May period last year. So we're nine months on from that and we're 20% down. Uh, and clearly um, we had a major retracement in August of 2015 on the back of what was uh, on paper a very, very modest realignment of the Chinese currency. Although I would point out in precisely the opposite direction than most thought you know, it was going to go. You, know, you mentioned commodities. Uh, you know, that is actually telling us something about the real economy. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very connected, it's more connected to the real economy than equity prices or bond prices about the pricing of financial assets. We are a good nine months into this downturn one way or the other. Um, it isn't confined clearly just to the FTSE, obviously the FTSE 100, which you mentioned, is very exposed to emerging markets. You know, it's very heavy on energy, it's very heavy on resource companies. The momentum in terms of um, global growth seems very, very weak. Would have probably have booked the weakest growth in 2015 that we've seen since 2009. So it would have been about 3%. Now there's no strict definition about what a global recession actually means, but usually a growth rate of 2.5% is considered to be effectively recessionary conditions. So we're actually already quite close to that. Now, of course, we're expecting a bit of a pickup in growth this year. We're currently looking at consensus forecasts of about 3.2, but you know, guess what? That's heading down as well. So it's, it's, it's very, very unclear where we're actually going to see an acceleration from an already poor figure last year. Well, as you mentioned before, it does seem to be a little bit of a blame game and people are also pointing fingers at the Greek saga. So how much responsibility <laughs> should this take for the footsies for? The Greek, the Greek saga. The Greek saga. Wow, we're getting desperate for excuses now, aren't we? Uh, what has gone on in Greece and what will happen in Greece in the future is somewhat symptomatic of, of a much bigger economic, socio-political picture. I mean, there has been, I think, overall a rather cynical rebranding of what was essentially a banking crisis in Europe as a, you know, as a Eurozone debt crisis. And everybody, of course, has pointed to Greece as being you know, the, the, the example of that. But I mean, in terms of you know, Greek borrowing, Greek indebtedness, it was very much an outlier. You know, Germany's um, insistence on effectively running um, fiscal surpluses. I mean, Germany itself ran a surplus budget surplus of 0.5% of GDP last year. And that has put all the emphasis on monetary policy. I mean, the, the fis fiscal policy is not, not doing any other heavy, heavy lifting at all. And, you know, it, it just reinforces what is anyway, a, overall a deflationary bias coming from the ECB anyway. And also remember, the ECB was raising rates in 2011, so it's nuts, yeah. It's going to be a problem. I think it speaks to a lack of, of democratic process in Greece. I mean, I, my own feeling on Greece is it's going to, it's going to re recur because nothing's actually been solved. Well, it certainly doesn't look good, Mike. We've got 40 stock markets around the world in bear territory, and we're looking at a total of $27 trillion in bear territory. So is it time to start panicking and stuffing the cash under the mattress? There are tripwires out there. Um, you know, there are political issues um, uh, you know, in the UK, Brexit, currency wars. I mean, markets are strong today. 
markets were strong yesterday and, and a lot of this, as I said, is on the hope that the Bank of Japan and the ECB are going to step at the plate with more monetary easing. But, you know, this is a bit of a tired old play, isn't it? And it, to me, it's absolute madness to really rely entirely on monetary policy after what was a banking crisis. I mean, this is like trying to, you know, make your car go faster by putting, you know, nitroglycerine in the engine. Um, and yeah, it might perform for a while and then you're surprised that the car blows up. We're pulling these levers and we're not getting the response that we thought we were going to get. Um, and it's all a bit worrying. And I think that policymakers basically running out of ideas. I mean, you look at things like uh, you know, forward guidance. Remember that? I mean, forward guidance, that was the big idea for the Bank of England, Mark Carney. Complete junk. I mean, you know, they have, frankly, have very little clue as to when interest rates will or should be rising. And it's very clear that they don't know what's going on. And if they don't know what's going on, well, who, who does, quite frankly? <laughs> Gosh, so we've seen China down, Europe, Japan. Yeah. So is the US next? Well, we have seen some of that, haven't we? I mean, uh, certainly NASDAQ has been um, a, a, you know, very much in bear market territory. Of the large economies, I think the US is coming out of this relatively well, relative. Um, obviously, it's failed to even get register 3% growth in any year. Um, since the, the great financial crisis. So, I mean, this recovery, as everybody has pointed out, and they're quite correct, has been weak by any historic standard. But I think one of the reasons, at least, that they are in this position of relative strength is they did a lot of the hard stuff very early on in the crisis. So, for instance, they, they made the banks take capital. They ex expanded um, the budget deficit quite significantly, and of course that was a major political issue in the early years of the, the Obama presidency. They inherently had a, a stronger starting position because the US is a relatively closed economy. Uh, and of course, a lot of the adjustment was via the market itself. Fortunately, of course, you, you had you know very lackadaisical response um, by pretty much everyone else. I guess the Bank of England was probably the next policy unit to really re respond. But it hasn't been coordinated. You know, of course, we had the, uh, as I said, the ECB actually raising rates very early on. Bank of Japan only really started easing at the end of 2012. So this is the problem. It's all mis misfiring. OK, so let's finish on a positive note. Yes, okay. let's. let's. <laughs> so the buying boots aren't going to come on. It's definitely not time to buy even though we're you know now in bear territory well we don't know what the end game is in China yet well I have an idea what it is we haven't seen it yet and whilst that's hanging over the market you know sort of Damocles very difficult to see risk assets rallying on a sustained basis from 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 that position we need to see you know a, a lot of investment being written off liquidated should have happened on a phase basis really years ago. doesn't happen. Uh, Turkeys never vote for Christmas, as they say. Uh, we've got to see that. And of course, the resource sector is very much, yeah. you know, part of that. It, it doesn't really help if, you know, Anglo-American sells its assets to somewhere else. You're not actually taking capacity out of the system at all. It doesn't solve the underlying problem. So yeah, I mean, 2016. Tripwise, but opportunities. Well, we now know why living in interesting times is a Chinese curse, do we not? <laughs>